and welcome to episode three of SFI Not So Live with me, Jay Evans, your host. I'm joined today by three lovely people from the industry. Uh, Holly Andrews, who we all know. So um, say hello, Holly. Hello. That's all she's getting. Uh, everyone knows yeah. Holly is. <laughs> um, Tony's not with us um, on this episode. Tony's sunning himself in, in sunnier climates, but we have got Simon with us, who's a BDM at Saffron. So Simon, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to who you are for those that are listening? Yeah, thanks, Jay. So I'm uh, Simon O'Donnell. I'm the field-based BDM covering the South for Saffron. So I've been with us uh, coming up to 10 years now, actually quite a while, so since I left university. Started out in our branch network as a cashier, moved on to consultant, the branch manager, and then finally service support manager, looking after the performance development training the network. Uh, in between, I actually left, had a short stint at the financial ombudsman service, and then came back. And uh, I've finally taken the plunge into to mortgages now, so that's me. Thank you very much. And our special guest for this week is from Positive London. He's their key account manager, Mr. David Coleman. David, give us a little introduction to yourself. Hello, and thanks for having me on this morning. Um, I'm a key account manager at Positive Lending. Positive Lending are a master packager uh, situated in the market to support intermediaries and IFAs with their specialist lending inquiries across specialist mortgages, bridging, second charge, and commercial. So a multi-purpose outfit. Um, and I support brokers with their inquiries, with training and education. Fantastic, thank you very much. For new listeners, if you haven't heard of SFI Not So Live before and you've stumbled across us, um, we are a podcast that talks about the housing and property market. Uh, we don't just talk about products, we look at the issues that are facing um, purchases and how brokers can address that. We do go on to a little bit on products available in the market. This is an opportunity for us to just have a little bit of a, a natter. Sometimes we have a laugh, sometimes it's a bit more serious, but we just talk about some of the issues that are facing your clients. So. Um, Without further ado, let's move on. So the first story of the day is from the FT Advisor that we're going to talk about. And this is around the acute shortage of housing um, that we're suffering that we're suffering with in the UK at the moment. And it's the fact that it's pushed the prices up by 2.1% in August. Now, um, we all know the SDLT holidays had a, a, a huge effect on the market, although that's now coming to an end. Um, but we are really, really short of housing. Uh, how's that affect the market as a whole, David? Um, are you seeing this? Is this, this a really big issue for brokers and their clients? Yeah, I think that there's a shortage of housing and there's no, that there's an abundance of people trying to go for the same property. Uh, you know, the Sam Duty incentive really highlighted that. Not, you, you weren't having one or two people, you had 10, 15 people all going through it and then you got into bidding wars and the property price, you know, just become, unrealistic and un, un, it's crazy times you know the purchase price kept on going up made it unachievable for some people in in some regards you know i think for us as a business that drove into our bridging area because clients wanted to become cash buyers so they took themselves away from the chain and purchased it and again if you, you know, if you're talking sort of bridging you're looking at a, a more expensive way to purchase a property but then if you're in a bidding war how high are you prepared to go and how much do you want that property so we've definitely experienced that over over that period and affordable homes in general um are looking more and more likely with house prices going up like they are and it's been a particularly tough time for first-time buyers holly what's it been like you you obviously uh saffron re-entered the 95 percent market uh for first-time buyers uh we've had a jbsp all the way through but have you seen any kind of increase in in first-time buyers being accepted 
I think definitely we've seen an increase of it because for us before we just had ads, you know, from the whole of the pandemic. Last June we had our first time buyer range that sold out within three days because we were the only lender at the time offering ninety five percent. I know David we had a couple of cases I, go I through at that, that point. Very well. <laughs> and then yeah. yeah, and then we kept our joint borrower sole proprietor mortgage, which is the family support where they uh, you can have up to two first time buyers and one supporter, so that they can you know purchase a property if they are struggling with affordability. And now since we've been back in the standard ninety five percent spaces, we've definitely had a lot of interest in it. We see you know quite a few dips in per day for ninety five percent because. At Saffron, because we're you know in the specialist space, it's not your standard case where they're they're not going to the high street. You're looking at people that maybe have had a credit blip in the last uh, twenty four months, twelve months over the pandemic, or you know their income structure isn't quite great. So that's where we're seeing it because you know everybody's been impacted whether it's because they're self-employed so their business is either apt to to adapt or their profits have been impacted over the last year alternatively it's people that have just you know taken a payment holiday or they've um got themselves into financial difficulty that's a little bit um sort of you know we're not strong on our adverse as we'd like to be but it is a light adverse product you know we've got ccjs up to 250 and that have been settled for only just one month um, and the same with default. So yeah, we, we're seeing sort of the not so high street cases coming through to us and it, it has remained popular ever since we've had that product. I think if we look at the housing shortage as a whole, the SDLT holiday really is to blame. Is it? I mean, the increase in buy to let was evident over the last year and a half, certainly. Um, that's that's going to have bumped up the prices, isn't it, David? And now our first time buyers literally sit there going, there's not enough here for me. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a supply and demand, isn't it? It's. I mean, I, I we moved house ourselves at the beginning of uh, the year in April. Um, I'd say we probably paid a good 40, 50 grand above what the property would was worth if we'd have done that two years ago, 18 months ago, 12 months ago. Um, it's crazy. Um, and there were actually, there was a significantly higher bid on the table when we got our property, but we were accepted because we had a, uh, a fuss free chain uh, and the clients opted for that because it was less hassle for them and that there was less things to go wrong so we lucked out um, otherwise we could have gone higher and higher and our budget would have got less and less and mm -hmm. you know we, we'd have been fighting against it but yeah absolutely I think and it just comes into affordability the, the more the property goes up um, and we got in a situation ourselves with a couple of properties that we sort of almost fell in love with and then the bidding just got silly and we're like well, what are we doing here we're just you know we're bidding for something that it's just going to outprice us. It's, it's just ridiculous. So, took the sensible decision, stepped away from that, and then relooked on the market. But as soon as you were looking at a property, it was gone. You know, it, you weren't. You'd go and you'd find it online within. You know, the same day, the next day, had it was under offer. It was, it was a, a really crazy time. It's madness. You got that chain, and I say the the easier option sometimes for the seller is is the best option. But from the buyer's perspective, um, you say about affordability, Simon. You and I have spoken about JBSP very recently, along with my colleague. Um, how has that been a bit of a saviour? What, what what's the JBSP done that, that has helped these first time buyers with affordability? Yeah, so the <coughs> the JBSP or the Joint Borrower Sole Proprietor. Obviously, there's a lot of 95% products on the market at the moment, and we're in there as well with the first-time buyers. But with the house prices continually increasing, it's not always affordable for the first-time buyer. So, 
with our JBSP products, uh, we allow supporting family member to go on the mortgage with them. Um, so the first time buyer has to reach affordability up to 70% of the loan. And then the supporter can come in at 30%. And we can go up to 95% LTV on that and on new build houses. So that's really helped the those first time buyers that are perhaps being outpriced by the um, increased property uh, increased property prices and just falling that little bit short in affordability. So it's been a bit of a hero product at Saffron and like Holly said we've you know we've had it the whole time, the whole uh, pandemic and it's proved really popular. I'm not and surprised. Just echoing David's, oh, oh, carry on, carry on, sorry. Also just echoing David's um, <clears throat> points as well on the the um the property that I think I've read a stat recently that there's uh, one house for every twenty buyers or something like that. It's just incredible. Um and um we do dip chases as, as part of uh, the role at Saffron and ringing up um, brokers that have put dips through over the last three, four weeks, you know, is what's happening with them, is there anything we can do to help? And 75, 80% of them are saying, yeah, we absolutely still want to go ahead with the mortgage, but we just can't find a property. So, it literally yeah. is a seller's market at the moment, isn't it? It's a seller's market all the yeah. way through, isn't it? Definitely, and the buyers going to look out. So just to, to jump in, I'm sort of echoing again what Holly just said. Um, with the products that you're offering your 95 percent ltv products you you can't have too much adverse um and you've got to be not squeaky clean but you've got to be fairly fairly clean um, and there's a reason you're going to a specialist lender not a high street lender but i think the consideration is during the pandemic people being furloughed a lot of that a lot of adverse and blips have occurred during that period um not through clients not wanting to do but being forced into that situation which is again going to prevent them from finding the right product for them and achieving the property they want to purchase I think that's so true, isn't it, Hull? Um, what What do you think is going to happen now? What, what I mean, we've got conflicting stories today already about house prices going up, house prices going down, demand going up, demand going down. Everyone seems to conflict with each other. Uh, in reality, how are the next few months, the, the remainder of the months left of this year, are we going to see anything? Are we going to start to see house prices go down, go up, stay as they are? I mean, do you have any predictions? I mean, I haven't got my crystal ball today, so no. <laughs> but no, I think it. the problem with the market at the moment is that it changes on a monthly basis. So, you know, the one peak that we do have coming up that I know we'll talk about later is the remortgage peak coming up in around October. Um, so that's a sort of a market prediction that we we know is pretty certain that's going to happen. You know, the remortgage, remortgage market's going to take a boom because there's a lot of people coming to the end of their product term that need to. Um, but other than that, it's just it changes from month to month. You know, the pandemic in general has had us all on our toes for, for 18 months. And I think it's going to continue going forward. You know, we're starting to see restrictions ease. We're starting to see changes in the market. And the amount of products that are available now, um, you know, at one point of the market, I think there was less than 50 first-time buyer products in the height of the pandemic. And now there's just under 400 and that's ever increasing. And I think the one key thing is that, yeah, you just can't predict it. Or I don't think you can predict it. Someone might, I don't think, <laughs> might I don't have think an opposing has. opinion. If, I don't think anyone has. I've seen industry experts trying to figure this out. And last year, some of the things they were releasing, and then three, four weeks later, they've just been blown out the water. That did not happen. I mean, it's been an unpredictable year and a half. Well, let's not put any blame on the government. The government have actually done a huge amount to help. There's been, you know, the help to buy scheme was there. Then, you know, they've, they've brought in a load of big lenders to help and support that and push forward. And now this leads very beautifully onto our next story, which is the fact that the government are throwing 8.6 billion pounds 
into affordable homes, which as we're saying there's no affordable homes, they're putting it in there. But actually, it's going to take a while for these houses to be built. I mean, they're looking around 119,000 homes they want to build, which is great. Uh, and, and stuff. But actually, when you look at it and you break it down, these affordable homes, there are options available to to even first time buyers um, in areas like self build, where it can be more cost effective to build your own home. Holly, how's self build gone for Saffron? I know you've got some strong products in that area. Yeah, so I mean, for Saffron um, and our self-build, it's a product that we do internally um, and we have a specialist self-build underwriters that specifically look at this product. It's available to first-time buyers as well as home movers. Um, and it just gives people the option to purchase a plot of land or purchase an existing building, either knock it down, renovate it, or just completely build from the ground upwards. And then um, they can build their dream property or their sort of now home and give extra space for the money that they may have done on an already built house you know they have the option to build a layout that's going to work for them and especially now people are working from home you know you wouldn't necessarily have thought you'd ever need a home office but quite a lot of people do now and um, so you know they're factoring in things like that and space for that and you know self-build gives them that option with the keeping it in their budget um so yeah self-build for us especially is is one of the key products of where we can help first-time buyers that maybe you know have got no building experience but have a project manager that's able to help them and um, they've got all their architects drawings and costings and we can really go from there and work with them on it there's you you've highlighted something that there's a massive misconception because of the name that self-build is just building a home but actually it could be converting an existing building into a home and it could be a massive renovation david how is that across the industry obviously we can talk from a saffron perspective but on you know trying to find an affordable way of owning a home have you seen any shift towards first-time buyers going that direction i mean yeah we, we've seen a spike of self-build inquiries uh, to be fair and i think there's two sides to that you've got obviously people that have been affected by the pandemic and furlough and loss of income and stuff like that you've also had people that have been very lucky through that because they've worked at home their expenses haven't been so high they've saved a lot of money um, and what we tend to find is someone who's doing a self-build is in that situation, they've got a bit of land or they can improve on what they've got and that's exactly what they want to do. Holly's hit the nail on the head there. People are now looking at their work at home space. You know, let's be all, when this hit, we were all working on our kitchens or our dining tables and stuff like that. People are now looking to incorporate an actual workspace at home because the world will not go back as it was before. There will be an element of working at home, maybe full-time, maybe part-time in the office, part-time at home. And people want that that availability at home. So that's going to be a consideration. And we tend to find also that it's clients that have maybe the space, the land, have, have managed to save some money or someone that's inherited uh, a property along those lines. It could be you know, something that needs a considerable work. So rather than do it up, they're, they're going to make it into their, their perfect home. Um, and do it that way. So we've definitely seen a spike in use for that self-build kind of area. And Simon, again, just tapping into the fact that, you know, um, with self-build and the name, this isn't really always about grand designs, is it? You're not thinking about the million pound home with the big glass frontage and God knows what else and shaped like a, I don't know, an aeroplane. Um, it is more your two up, two down renovations or your, your quirkier products, isn't it? Your quirkier, not products, your quirkier houses. So, yeah, a nice renovation of a good, of a good quality building is just the same, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And we've, we've seen quite a few go through recently, actually. Um, some real nice self-build properties um, that have materialised and clients dream home. They've now got them. And like you were saying, Holly and um, David, the, your, 18 months ago, your home was your home. Now it's your, um, your office, your gym, your classroom, your bar, 
if you're lucky enough to have an outside bar. Um, no so comment. yeah, so people want the space. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm definitely not converting it into a gym. <laughs> I didn't comment at the gym bit. Um, but it's true though, is it? We're, we're not just living at home anymore. We're living at home, as in we're doing a lot more in our, in our space and environment. So that has caused quite a fundamental shift of maybe slightly older generations moving away from the cities and into rural areas. And that's going to shift the prices up but um for buy to let buyers which have been a hell of a lot of in the last year and a half it's actually been a real opportunity for city homeowners isn't it david that the rental market seems to have shifted to to cities not necessarily just london either no absolutely and, and it's it, listen there's a lot of activity in the in the landlord and, and buy to let market it's a very buoyant market landlords are, are capitalizing on this because you know someone potentially uh, who would be more interested in living in central or closer to the central area is now moving further afield because actually they can get more for their money, they can get everything they want there. Um, and they might be looking at a rental property when they're working in maybe the city, for example, for the time they're there, maybe two, three days a week, and the rest of the time they're working from home. Um, so, yeah, and I think there'll be more of that as well. Um, there's, a, there's a lot more opportunities out there in, in the buy to let world. HMOs has, has been something that has, has really spiked interest with landlords. Um, and again, you know, they tend to be in, I suppose, your more educational uh, university areas, but landlords are investing in that. Um, yeah, and, and there's a big spike in use for those. It's a very lucrative market, the, um, the HMO, isn't it? It can be quite lucrative depending on the property you get Absolutely. and how you convert. We're, we're, doing, we're doing a lot of that at the moment. I mean, what we tend to find at the moment is clients are finding a property that they want to be HMO, but it's not actually HMO for whatever reason. Um, and it's very difficult, obviously, to put a HMO mortgage on a property that's not HMO compliant. So again, that leads into something that's, you know, maybe bridging, development, finance, whatever it may be. And then the HMO is provided as the exit, as the exit strategy, um, which is, is, you know, is great. It just shows that the, there's opportunities in the market. Love that. Holly, um, David just said something that we really should bring up on development finance in that this housing shortage, this lack of affordable housing, actually the government, a part of this strategy and a wider strategy from the government is to sell off council-owned land, brown lands, for developers. And actually, um, just for the brokers that are on here that might not have looked at development finance before, but actually, you know, it's easy for an SME developer to, to throw up two or three houses on a really small piece of land that they can get a bargain price from, from the council. Um, is, you know, as a, as a society, Saffron handles development finance. Can you just explain it a little bit to, to the audience for anyone that's not looked at it before? Yeah, so our development, we can look at funding between, I think it's 500,000 and 3 million. We're quite flexible on it. And we've got a really experienced team at Saffron. So you've got its heads up by Peter Owen. You've also got Martin Evans, who's uh, field-based, as well as Matt Hardy, who is the new addition. Um, and a lot of our intermediaries will start to see him out and about a little bit more. But we can lend up to, I think it's 75% of the costs or 65% of the gross development value. And it, we lend within anywhere within England and Scotland on new builds, um, refurbishments or property conversions. But this is purposely to build and then sell on rather than our self-build where it's for them to live in. So um, we've offered development finance for quite a while now. Um, and it's headed up by, as I mentioned, um, Peter Owen as the team member there and all the details and a bit more criteria is on our website as well. 
I work with Peter a fair bit, just looking at um, what's going on in the market, looking at the construction figures and seeing what the SME market's doing and how it's how it's working. And actually, we have seen an increase in the last year because people are seeing the opportunity. But also, with regards to development finance, you can build properties that are not only affordable, but tap into a whole new area of the market. I just want to quickly tap into this. And that's sustainable housing and, and actually looking at the, the eco value of the house from the moment, from the ground works up. So, you know, using heat pump technology, whatever it's going to be, solar panels from, from the moment of build, all these different things. And that's a big market. David, have you seen this green market coming through? I mean, there's, I know, I know we have a products are self-serving, but there are a lot of green products out in the market. Are you seeing buyers, certainly maybe Gen Z millennials that are coming up? Do you think they're going to be looking at, product, at the housing market and going, actually, I want my house to be at this standard before I buy it? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it's it's not something I've got too much experience on, to be honest with you. But what we are seeing is lenders, more and more lenders coming out with these products. Um, and obviously, they're coming out with these products as an appetite for it. So clients obviously have an interest in doing it. And I think, you know, if you've got the opportunity to, to build your own property, whether that's for your own personal use or, or for resale or to let out, why wouldn't you do it? You're probably going to do that. You're going to entice more clientele into that property. You're going to get a bit of business from the property. So it kind of makes sense. Um, and with more and more lenders offering these products, um, I can only see that increasing. How has um, green gone for you, Holly? It's been well over a year since we launched the, the green mortgage. Is it still as popular as it was initially? I got a huge surge to start with because people are like, oh, this is new. Um, but actually, I'm seeing a lot more people talking about it. Is it a, is it a growing market for saffron green? I think it's people are starting, especially consumers are starting to become more aware that there is green mortgages out there. And, you know, our, our specific one is our retrofit mortgage on the residential range. So that is for applicants that are looking to purchase a property and improve the EPC rating within six months of living there. And if they do, they then get a discount on the rate that's available. Um, so, you know, it has been popular for us, but it's more so, I think I've noticed it more in the self-build space. Um, you know, you mentioned development, they're looking at more eco projects, but so are self-builds and it can be anything down to the construction type, to the specific lighting or insulation or heat source pumps that they install. You know, people are starting to think, right, how can I make my house more cost effective so that, you know, it's sustainable going forward. So we're seeing it a lot in our self-build and I think, you know, we, we're always looking, we're part of the um, research with the... Um, Building Society Association for Green Mortgages. So uh, I know our product development team have been working with them really closely and going to a lot of their uh, webinars and conferences really to to learn more about what the industry is doing and then start to develop some of our products from there. I think it's really early stages, um, but I think as time goes on, you know, there's so much in the media about global warming and all the effects that we're having. So anything that people can do to help, I think it'll even stretch down to mortgages. Um, as well and, and i have popular. seen i mean i we did some research as a, an agency separate from saffron but we did some research on on um eco in homes and what people thought about it and they would be willing to pay up to 10 percent more as a first-time buyer if their home was economical because and ecological because it saves them so much money in the long term so those that have looked at this and said actually what i'm saving on my energy efficiency is going to save for me the whole term of my mortgage they're suddenly like actually it won't hurt because actually i've knocked my bills down by 20 percent um an extra five percent of my mortgage isn't going to knock me um so you know there is there is growth in that market um 
moving on, because I'm very conscious we're going to go over time because we'd like to get stuck on subjects. We're going to move on to our next story, which is... Um, we, we, we know that we're getting experience, though we waffle too much. So let's talk about um, the house price growth. Um, we're going to end up onto that one if you guys got that ahead of you. So August house price growth accelerates to 11%, um, according to Nationwide. So um, Nationwide's report comes out regularly. We all know that. Um, and it's saying the average house prices increased by 2.1% from July to August, the second game for 15 years, according to the latest figures. Now, there's a conflicting article out at the moment that says it's down. Uh, this one's saying it's up. Where are the house prices, guys? <laughs> Your experience and, <laughs> and looking at the values of the mortgage that are coming through, are they still going up? Are they leveling out? Are they going down? No, we touched on it earlier. David, I mean, what I think do you think? House prices seem to still be going up because there's still a very strong appetite for the buyer but what we're noticing is although property prices are apparently increasing surveyors are not agreeing with what the market's saying so someone's coming through saying their property is worth x looking for a mortgage looks all fine surveyor goes out and downvalues it by you know whatever amount actually is it is it a true reflection of what the value of the property is it's not necessarily um, again, it comes into that whole the interest and the bidding wars and stuff like that. It's, it becomes an unrealistic, an unstable valuation, um, which is is fine purchasing the property. But if you can't obtain a mortgage on it, then you become unstuck, um, and that's where the problem comes in. Because as as we all know, everyone's going to go by what the surveyor says, and if the surveyor says it's not worth, it's not worth. So you can argue that until you're blue in the face, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and I think that's causing us a lot of problems with with mortgage buyers, purchasers and remortgages on the flip side of that you know there's always a, a positive excuse the pun but you know that drives into our second charge market because we've got the higher LTVs but again it's going to prevent people that are looking to remortgage or purchase because they're not working on a true reflection of the value and that's a big issue isn't it because we've got a peak of uh, remortgages on the way and we hold yeah, so it is, I believe, due in October is the is what we're sort of waiting on uh, for a peak as expected. So, I, you know, I just nodded. I know no anybody can see me, but I nodded with David when he said about the down valuations in the markets, you know. But some people are actually using that to their advantage because they're able to then, you know, if they've gone through bidding, they might be overpricing. They can actually probably renegotiate a purchase price lower so they can still get the mortgage that they want. So, you know, some people have been quite savvy enough to actually, you know, get a better deal <laughs> at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with the down valuations. We're seeing that a lot. Is there any um, trends in the house prices? It's probably throwing you under the bus all over the bus a little bit. So do feel free to tell me if I'm off the mark. But is there anything to do with location, region, where the house prices are specifically flying up? Or is it across the board? Um, is there any sort of peaks and spikes anywhere in the country? David, anything you know on that? I think I think prices, the further afield you go, you're more rural country, you know, that, that kind of area. The prices have definitely crept up and jumped there because like we've already touched on, people are now looking at not needing to be in the city or not needing to be on top of a main train station that takes them in. That commute is almost redundant for them now. They're now looking at, well, what can I get for my money if I move a bit further afield? What can I build if I move a bit further afield? So obviously the more interest that's going to spike spike prices and, and this is going to increase. And Simon, you work for the South region. You're the worst. I did see an article on that. Um, I think the highest increase in the country was in Cornwall, uh, the biggest jump. 
Um, yeah. And I don't know if that was down to the fact that there was a big world summit there and everyone got to see how beautiful it was. But um, I think it leads on to what David was saying. You know, these coastal beautiful, relaxing, sort of laid-back towns are going to be where these city dwellers are flocking to, aren't they? Yeah, my, I myself live on the coast, Frinton-on-Sea, uh, if anyone's ever heard of it, near Clapton. But, you know, like I said earlier, when I when I took a year out of Saffron and worked at the Ombudsman um, service, it was, it was two hours door-to-door for me to get into London five days a week, and obviously you pay a significant amount to do so. So it was four hours out of my day, I was paying, you know, whatever on the train fares, etc., stuff like that. And in the end, I said, Look, enough's enough. I can't do this long term. But actually now, you know, in hindsight, if it was now, I wouldn't have to go to London every day. Perhaps one day a week, two days a week. So you don't have to live within half an hour, an hour of London. You know, you can live two hours away like me and still do the job the same that you would be um, as if you was commuting in. I, I was the same. So. Norfolk to Norfolk to London every day, five days a week, and you only have a shelf life with that. It, it gets a bit, yeah, oh, it's a bit much. Yeah. Um, but then you're know, looking at the rental market. You know, living renting in the city is actually not as bad as people sort so make out. London being the exception, but I mean, in my mind, surely everybody's moving to to leafier and uh, nicer environments, but. Um, what does that mean for these empty buildings? Are we going to see this continued run of buy-to-let properties being bought up in the cities? Because I, I can only see this young market, these young people coming into let. I can see them um, all moving to cities. David, do you think it's a long-term move? I, I think, uh, you know, I suppose, we again, we've seen an interest in inquiries uh, and appetite for holiday lets and Airbnbs. And if you've got empty buildings in cities and stuff like that, people are going to take that opportunity because now the world is opening back up and people can go out and socialise and take a break, um, you know, wherever that may be. You might move to the, move to the country or, or the other end of, of wherever uh, and fancy a couple a, of nights in London. I think there's such so a trend you, with now the, instead of just a staycation, and, and it's a workcation too. So, you know, you can go somewhere, you know, rent somewhere in Cornwall I, maybe on the Friday. You work the Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, you can then enjoy it and you're already there. You know, people are doing that a lot more now because they're working from home. If you've got a good Wi-Fi connection, you can pretty much work anywhere. That's exactly it. As long as you're set up, you've got Wi-Fi, you could be anywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's just the nature of what we've been forced into working, which is now the normal. So, Well, we've had, um, we've had clients and, and businesses we work with that have got workforce that are in another country because they, they actually went out to visit family just before the pandemic, never been able to get back and thought, hang on a minute, this works beautifully and have stayed there. Um, so it is, we are becoming a bit more, a more of a working remote world. And I think, you know, that's all going to yeah. see this shift to market. But... Let's see how long that lasts for. I say that hybrid has got a shelf life, so let's see. You know, as we could, I say, as Holly said earlier, we haven't got crystal ball. We don't know just yet. So really don't quickly, be giving, don't be giving Tony any ideas there, Jay. Yeah, he'll be he'll be signing up in Crete every day of the week. We're doing webinars and yeah. podcasts from the beach. <laughs> if only, if only. Um, okay, so new builds. Let's go on to new builds and a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, and there's only so much we can say on it, but I think it's worth talking about. Uh, this is from Mortgage Solutions. New build transactions are down by 92% due to the EWS1 delays, says a developer. 
Um, it says Nebula prices have grown by as much as 20%, but transaction levels have dramatically fallen due to the EWS1 so requirements. So an EWS1 um, form is required for those out there that don't a know, sure building that has Holly, cladding what is an EWS1 um, form? What does it need? What material? And um, EWS1 forms are as complicated as they sound because there's so many different classifications. So each building uh, would be classified by a surveyor. It goes by letters and numbers, and um, it basically says the risk and whether there is any remedial works that need to be come from it. And as we know, you know, this came after the tragedy at Grenfell um, and it was really important. You know, there is so many different regulations now and so many different government restrictions um, and guidance notes that it's almost become quite confusing, not only for lenders, but for individuals that are looking to buy one of these properties that maybe never heard or never even thought when they were buying it, oh, I've got to have an EWS1 form or this could potentially cause a risk to us. So, um, yeah. That's a, a waffly answer to an EWS one form. <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, I now understand it a little bit more. And we all know it's complicated because it's been dragged out for this long. But what does it mean for those that have bought these properties? They can't resell. They're, they're unmortgageable, aren't they, at this stage until they get this the ducks in a row, David? And so what's that? What's that mean for the people that own these properties and want to move on or, or somebody going in to try and buy one? They're prisoners. They're stuck. Uh, we see it all the time. I must take, I, I'd on average, somewhere between three to five calls a day. Can I refinance? Can I, can I do a second charge? What about if I do a bridge? No, no, no. That's all I can tell them. And uh, even though the government, I've said, below a certain level, actually that's deemed okay. It's not an official... Yeah, they've, they've kind of released it to the world but it's not official and surveyors aren't going to be comfortable commenting on that and I think until it is official and the surveyor's comfortable going out to value a property to say actually this has got everything it needs then the lender will be comfortable lending behind it and we're a long way away from that and there's so many people I've got I've got friends that live in uh, East London and they're they're trapped in their their properties because they can't get out they can't refinance no one's going to buy it because of the same problem so they're just stuck there um i the, i think the only thing you might be able to do is change it to a let to buy maybe if, you, if you've got a lender who will flip it over with no additional capital raising but outside of that um it's causing a real problem in the market and there's, there's a big percentage of people that would want to refinance move sell um that just can't at the moment and um, just reading a little bit into this um the all properties over 18 meters tall uh, fall into this category they have to be assessed um but as you just said david they are trapped in their homes there's there's absolutely no way out but um tony and i did a piece with i think it was with the ft advisor um on people actually faking um ews1 reports and forms i mean surely that's not possible but even the attempt to do that shows the desperation people are in what do people have to do when they're moving into a property uh what do they have to review holly what do they have to know what should they be aware of so I think it's just, it's difficult because everybody has a different view on EWS1 forms, but a lot of lenders are just, they rely on valuers comments. We do at Saffron, which then, you know, there's not much you can do to help until the surveyor goes out and look at it. I think it's just being cautious and, you know, buyers asking those questions. If the property looks like it's got cladding or combustible materials on it, then to, you know, maybe have a little bit more or just ask, you know, but it's just really difficult for those people that are already in those buildings that, you know, I 
I believe it was a, a news interview a couple of weeks ago that I saw of a lady that had a really low service charge. They then did the EWS1 um, survey on the building and their service charge this year is over £6,000 because they have to do remedial works. Wow. And you wow. think, like, it's crazy. You know, you wouldn't buy a property and think, oh, that's what I've got to think about. But it, that's the impact it can have, um, you know. But it's, it's difficult. And I think until further guidance comes out from the government, I think we'll always be at a stalemate with the sort of as lenders because, you know, as David said, surveyors have to put their name against it. Um, you know, and if they say it's okay, and then heaven forbid something happens later down the line, it's them that's going to come back on, just like us with responsible lending. It, it's we've got to put our names to it. So, is it responsible to lend if we don't know what impact it could have on the the customers? So, the advice is if anyone's in that situation, to just listen out for for further government announcements to see what they're going to do. It sounds, according to this article, they are being more flexible and they're trying to bring out new guidance and trying to push that. It might be that, I mean, we can't predict the future. It might be that they just put a new system in place. But at the moment, sadly, uh, if anyone's in that situation, it's it's pretty much sorry but stalemate at this stage until until things change. Moving on very very quickly to the next story. Uh, it's the last uh, last one that we're going to be picking up from the news, and we're going to talk about something completely different. And this one's about the Hales, uh, Hales, Hales, the housing sales slump. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday morning, all right? It's, it's been one of those weeks. Got <laughs> me. Yeah. yeah I, I tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, so this one's a, this one is about the house sales slump of 63%. Um, but cheap mortgages are still available, so according to the FC Advisor article, it's, it's bolstering, um, bolstering appetite. So, house sales are slumping. We know why, don't we? Isn't this down to the end of the SALT holiday, Simon? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think it was inevitable um, after the uh, the rush to get everything through that you're going to see a slight slump, and perhaps those that might have waited till, you know to move the back end of this year or perhaps early next year we're incentivized to do it earlier uh, because of the um the stamp duty so i think it was inevitable that you see a slight slump going forward and i also think that because the property market is so crazy with prices so people because the incentive has now come to an end well officially at the end of this month the, the total thing will come to it but i also think people will hold tight to either look and improving on what they've got or they'll hold tight to see if the property market drops again and they'll get a better price, you know, whether that's six, 12 months down the line um, and they'll, they'll edge their bets to see if see what happens. It's certainly a way game, isn't it? And unpredictable, as we said earlier, everything about this market um, since the pandemic has been highly unpredictable. Um, but it's saying that um, the buoyancy is being kept by cheaper rate mortgages. Now, David, you must have seen some of the lenders fluctuate on their rates recently i've seen a lot of reports of, of rates dropping uh, is that across the board yeah i mean every day a lender is getting in touch with us to say we've dropped it by you know at whatever rates across the certain products they're refreshing and that just shows that there is the market is slowing down they're fighting for the business they want the business to come through the door um great news for clients um you know because they're, they're getting better offerings um, it's definitely something we're seeing as I say like the, i think yesterday there was two lenders that come across and they they'd refresh their rates and drop their products beginning of the week there was a, there another lender that popped up and done exactly the same thing and that's probably going to continue until the property market picks up again purchase market picks up again um so yeah good news for clients 
It really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, certainly with um, Halifax being underneath, sorry to brand check again, but underneath 1%, I mean, a 0.83%. Uh, on large deposit holders is is uh, ridiculous, but it's it's where we are. As they is fighting for that business, Holly. Um, what's it been? Obviously, coming up for the Remo time. Let's look at uh, Remo time as well as as this. Um, those that look at to remortgage, how are how are lenders going to be tackling this market um, and looking at these Remos and people going to stay? Is it retention? going to be looking at their current product offering looking at whether there is a way you can incentivize it so you free legals free valuation cash back options i think it's going to become super competitive you know and we have seen the market really change over the last few months you know the rates have just I've never sort of not seen this for a long time and i think specialist lenders sometimes we just can't compete on rate but then what we're looking at is the adapt um adapting criteria you know we've done a whole policy review that spoiler alert and i might not be able to mention it but we've got a policy review coming out in the middle of uh middle of september so hopefully we'll have some exciting changes coming up where we've had to look at people that maybe have been affected by the pandemic or certain bits of criteria that you know will people will then have to come to us because they can't get it on the high street um you know saffron unfortunately just can't go as low as as the other lenders but we can certainly try and help criteria wise so yeah i might have done a spoiler alert there and i'll get into trouble for it later but <laughs> just a little little plug for the end of the month <laughs> just, to add, um, just 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 add a mitigating statement if you'd like to join us on the october webinar you can hear in detail what the policy changes are that's all we're allowed to say um, it does launch in september but we will fill you in more in october um so well well plotted holly that was good um I just totally throw me off the rail and send us all there. Okay, we are coming close to time, so it's a chance for us to uh, just summarise what we've discussed today. But first of all, I want to say a massive thank you to David, David Coleman from Positive Lending for joining us on this particular podcast with our technical issues. You guys won't know this once I've edited, but we've had a lot of fun recording this one. Um, and a big thank you to Simon as well, who has joined us for this podcast. You can check Simon's face on one of our previous webinars. He has joined us before. Uh, and likewise, if you're in the southern region, no doubt Simon will come and see you at some point. So thank you so much for joining us simon as well holly you do the important bit so any breaks out here listening uh want to get in touch want to talk about anything let's let's throw some contact details that way yep so for the uh, bdm team um you can give us a call on zero one seven double nine five eight two nine two five and then for uh, if you have an email inquiry you can send that through to bdm.enquiries at saffronbs.co.uk lovely uh david for the broker's benefit um do you want to give your web address away for positive lending yeah perfect so it's um www.positivelending.co.uk nice and simple if you want to get in contact with me it's david.coleman at positivelending.co.uk um, and if you want to pick up uh, or get in contact with the, the team in the office, it's sales at positivelending.co.uk. And we're here to help you out with anything specialist lending. So anything non-mainstream or quirky, give us a shout. We like non-mainstream and quirky. Um, and then a little plug from me. So this is our third um, podcast of a series. If you haven't heard the others, 
we have a new website address for you that links directly to our playlist. So sfilive.co.uk. If you go to sfilive.co.uk, it will take you on to all the pre-recorded webinars from last year, the few we've done for this year in this season too. Also, as of tomorrow, the podcast will be available on there as well. So say as of tomorrow, that's as of the 6th of um, September, they will be available on that sfilive.co.uk. We are back with SFI Live, the webinar series. We are back um, in the middle of this month. Uh, registrations open this week. Um, this time we're talking about self-build. And we've got a brilliant guest uh, called Mary, who's coming from Naxburg, the Association of Self and Custom Build, who's going to be giving us some, some industry knowledge and advice. She is also uh, a prominent self-builder uh, herself, and she advises other clients. So she's joining us, albeit pre-recorded, on the webinar. So the registrations will be open Follow us on LinkedIn, on Twitter to find out how you can register. They're completely free and you do get a free CPD certificate afterwards to go towards your CPD. So that's it from us. A big thank you to everybody on the panel and for you listening. This has been SFI Not So Live, Volume 3, and we're back again in October. Take care. Goodbye.